Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning! morning. All right, you guys sound really good today. Are you guys doing good? Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm just... Woohoo! All right, one of you's doing woohoo good. All right. Well, well, I'm glad one of you's doing woohoo good. Um, my name is Jim Del Campo. If it's your first time here with us, hope it's not your last time. Hope you join us again. I'm the lead pastor here, and if you're watching me from home, uh, why aren't you here? No, I'm joking. Uh, we're just glad you're with us. Uh, uh, one thing before I get into today's message, uh, th- this is I want to keep announcing because it ends the end of this week is our Kona Life Services CLS offering, giving. Uh, put the slide up on the screen, please. Um, and that is, this is for uh, an organization right down the road here off Main Street. And they've been on the front lines, we do this every year, to raise money for them because they are on the front lines of saving the unborn child in the womb. And these are ways to give here through our church. You can go nbcc.com slash give, text the amount and baby to 84321. Or you can do a physical offering in the envelope uh, to Corn Life Services. Make sure you mark on the envelope, Corn Life Services, but the checks in NBCC, we take it, we give everything to them. And they, they exist on fundraisers like this. We are one of the churches that does support them. And uh, we just hope that, uh, I know I, my wife and I give to this every year. We go to the banquet every year. We give to it. We support it because we believe in the, the life of the unborn child. In the womb. Amen to that one right there. Okay. So... So, so let's put our money where our mouth is. I'll just talk about it. Amen to that one? Amen. Okay, less amens, but we'll take it, okay. Um, today we're on the, um, um, uh, on the fifth week, and so I want, I want to get in as fast as possible because this will mark the halfway point after today of this 10-week series on cycle breaker, cycle maker. Have you enjoyed it so far? I'm just curious. If, yeah, because if, if, you're, if you're new, if you're new, first time with us, you need to go back and watch some of these messages. Go online, NBCC, Narco YouTube channel, because you've you got to understand where we're coming from in this series. Um, and uh, a lot of it has to do, most of it has to do with the third, last 32 years of my life, understanding dysfunction, relational, emotional issues, and my climb out of those dysfunctional patterns and settings. And I've shared a lot of the, the ugly, shameful stuff from my life in the past. I, I couldn't have done this 25 years ago. I was probably still too ashamed of it all. But now I'm okay. I've healed up enough, where I've, and I've been sitting on all this stuff, taking notes for, actually taking notes for three decades. And uh, I'm putting it all together in this series. And so hopefully, you guys like when I share things from my life in the past? Yeah. I'll bet you really do, don't you? I like doing that. Um, Put that statement up on the screen. Here's where we're going today, because we're talking about recreating the image of God. Inward perception leads to outward projection. One, two, three. Let's try that again. One, two, three. Inward now that's very important because last week we looked at uh, the re- those fig leaves where we, re- we reject ourselves. Adam and Eve did that. They reject themselves, thus reject the image of God. But then there's a flip side of that where now um, that inward perception, how we view ourselves, leads to an outward projection, how we present ourselves and the fig leaves make a flip. We'll talk about flipping that in a second. Um, so um, let's, this is the last time now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in the, um, 
in the foundational statements after this, I, I just have a lot to say in the last five messages. So this is the last time. I may do that with this next statement put on the screen next so many weeks. But after that, I think I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, I got to move on. Let's say this. One, two, three. Sin says, I've done wrong. I've done bad. Shame says, I'm wrong. I'm bad. Once again, guilt is about behavior, what I've done. Shame becomes personal. It's about my identity. It's about who I am. Shame is invasive. Shame gets into every pocket, every crevice, every corner, every nook of my life. Adam and Eve were naked in this relationship. Everything's perfect. There's unity. There's trust. There's intimacy. There's all these things. And then they sin. They go from unashamed to shame. Shame means disappointed. Now they're disappointed in themselves. And so you see where they sin. And sin moves it from behavior to personal. Something's wrong with me. I fall short. Make sense? Are you grasping that concept? Yes or no, please? Okay, good. Now, so let's do the math once again. Shame is a result of sin. Everyone has sin. Therefore, everyone has shame. That's right. Everybody's got it. We all have it. So, can't escape you. You can say, well, I don't have any shame. Okay, whatever, guy. But anyway, we got to move on on that one. And also, various degrees... Oh, put it up there, please. Say that with me. Various degrees... You know, I made a mistake on that. Last three weeks, I've had a mistake. It should be a variety of departments is the way I really wrote it in the beginning, and I'll fix it. But various degrees in various departments, but it should be a variety of departments. And what I mean by that is this. Lest we think, oh, that's not me, that's not me. Well, shame is in every area. And so I may have it in this avenue canal of my life, like 90%. You may have it 3% in that one. But in this avenue, uh, you may have it like 80%, and I may have it only like 8%. So it's just different the way it, it, it rolls out. There's no one set 50%, 100%, this. There's nothing like that. You just have to not, you have to start be aware of these things. And the whole thing is, is, the, is the abnormal has become normal in our lives. How many know what I mean by that? We can walk in so much abnormality for so many years and we don't even know it's abnormal. Has anyone ever come to the conclusion of something in your life that you've been living out a certain way and you finally go, you know, that's not the right way to live. Anybody? But that's abnormal. Let me show you a quick abnormality, and that says, don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you are holding unforgiveness or bitterness towards someone right now? Well, is that normal or abnormal? Come on, guys. It's not a true question. It's abnormal. But the longer you do that, it becomes what? It becomes very normal. It's something, well, it's just normal. No, it's abnormal is what it is. And we live with all these abnormalities in our life and we don't know they're abnormalities until we start to hear, read the Word of God and see and apply and brutally examine our hearts and our motives and our attitudes to see what needs to be corrected. Because how many know we can talk ourselves out of or into anything? Any amens? We can make everybody else the devil but ourselves the angel, right? Of light. Oh, very few of you caught that one. The angel lights the devil, okay, in Scripture. But anyway, um, so here we go. Here's what we're going to do today on this whole idea of recreating the image of God. I got two points to begin with. They're very quick. I mean, they're like seconds quick. But the third point, we're going to drill down deeper and deeper and deeper. We're okay with that? And then we're going to come to the end, and we're going to hit identity very strong because this is an issue of identity, okay? So here we go. Number one, your notes, and that's this. Adam and Eve reject the image of God. He said, Jim, we already did that. It's okay. It's going to take a few seconds. I've got to bring the foundation in again. Watch Genesis 3, 5, 6, and 7. 
For God knows in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. This is the serpent speaking. Satan will be in the serpent to speak to Eve. And you'll be like, louder, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, that's exactly what Lucifer, who when he sinned, fell, was booted out of position in heaven. Now we know him as Satan, the devil, the dragon, basically on steroids, as a lizard on steroids. And he said, it says in Isaiah 14 that he wanted to be like God. And that's where he sinned. And now we see, tells Eve, Eve, you can be like God. It's his MO. He, this is what he's tempting her with. Every one of us in this room struggles with that very thing. We want to be the God of our own life and not God to be the God of our own life. Some of us in marriage right now, you fight because both of you want to be the God of your marriage and in each other's life. Any amens on that? It's, you're scared to say amen, aren't you? I got you. When we get to message, I think it's message nine, before the very last one, we're going to talk about that because that's in Genesis 3. But both wanting to be God and why the power struggles. Now, verse six. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, that make me smarter. Because he said, remember, you know, you'll know good and evil, you'll be wiser. She took from its fruit and ate. And then she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Adam's standing right there. What a great leader he is, huh? Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew. Now they know something they should not know. And by the way, there's a lesson there, huh? Don't open your kids' minds up to things that they're not ready for. Any amens? They're opening up our kids to things in schools right now. Little kids, they should not be opened up to. Uh -uh. There are certain things we would never teach even. Would we go into a Sunday school class of five, five and six-year-olds and say, we're going to teach you on sex today. Would they, we do that? No, their minds should never be opened up to things. Their minds are not ready for such things. You've got to be wise in how you operate. And right there you see that specific. And they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. I remember saying, yeah. Sewed fig leaves together and say the two words, made themselves. Say them saying and made themselves. No, no, not loving coverings. Made themselves, okay. I'm so sorry, okay, okay. Here we go. And sewed the fig leaves together and loving coverings. You guys are so good, okay. Man, it doesn't even take long for you guys to catch on. All right. Woo, man, slow down. Okay, now. So, what are they doing here? Well, Satan promises enlightenment. And, you know, we live in the last couple of centuries in the age of enlightenment. They know better. They don't need God anymore, correct? But you see how dark it is in this world now, huh? It's crazy upside down now. Enlightenment. No, that's all it means is the rejection of God. And that's what's going on. Satan promised enlightenment. What does he deliver? Disappointment. Everything that's upside down in our culture will lead to the disappointment in a person's life. It will lead them there. It will never lead to enlightenment. Only what God says will lead you to enlightenment. So she takes the fig leaves, remember? She covers up. He covers up. They sew them together, and they're rejecting themselves, and thus in rejecting themselves, they're rejecting the image of God because they reject this image, image of God. Therefore, they reject God. Any amens? You following me so far? Now watch this nuance. It flips the script now of the fig leaf. Point two. They take the role of creator and create a new image. I'm going to give you two verses separated by a few statements. Verse 5, it says, once again, we'll read once again. 
For God knows in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Question, stop right there. They take on the role of creator and create. He told her, you'll be a what? A what? And God's create, correct? And God's call shots, correct? That's right. So now she's the shot caller. She's the creator. Adam and Eve are. If you do the discussion questions in small group or alone, I think I cross-referenced this week Romans chapter 1, verses 15 to 31. And that's where Paul, New Testament writer, once hated Christians, murdered Christians. It was his job to kill Christians. Becomes a Christian because he has an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And this is a brilliant scholar of a man and he becomes a Christian and he writes these words in Romans chapter 1 that totally tell you the result of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5, 6, and 7 when they decide they're going to be God and you see it all and when you read Romans 1 you tell me if that's not talking to you about today it is totally today it's so relatable now, where am I at? because I went off on a segue right there okay so now they're rejecting the image of God and they're creating a new image for themselves with those fig leaves. Now watch, verse, chapter 3, verse 7 is very telling. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves, say, made themselves? Loin coverings. They made themselves. God made them. God created them and now as a result of sin and shame now they are making them selves dysfunctionally at best because how can you improve on what God has created any amens and when I reject what God has created am I not rejecting God the creator am I not now they take on the role of creator in creating they made themselves. They take, we're going to make ourselves. Now the fig leaves become a projection of what they want to want people to see or to think or feel about them. Okay, let's drill it down now. Point three. <clears throat> Here's where we're going. Satan seeks to distort our identity. Does he not? Does he not? They don't know who they are anymore. They're, they're, they're make, they've made for themselves a new, a new front Satan wants to confuse me as far as who I am as far as what I'm supposed to be he'll try it every time let me go back a little bit just quick thing so I can set something up here for you remember I'm an adult child of an alcoholic I'm just curious there's 80 million of us in America of adults and kids. How many of you now know you're an AC, adult child and alcoholic? Raise your hand, just raise your hand. Okay, there's others of you in the room, but you just won't admit it yet, or you thought, well, they didn't drink that much. Okay, whatever. We carry up to 18, 17, 18 dysfunctional relational cycles in our life that we need to break. And we walk through life thinking that's so normal, but it's actually abnormal. When I finally started to wake up to these things 32 years ago, I, I, I couldn't believe how I looked at life so wrong. But I was locked in this pattern. But all these issues are common. I'm just curious. I asked for a service. It was crazy. How many of you grew up in dysfunctional homes? You would say it was a dysfunctional home. Okay. How many of you grew up in a broken home? 
How many grew up in a home where there's a lot of yelling and fighting? Isn't that wild? I'd ask more questions, but it would get too personal. I know that if I don't keep on these issues and keep on and understanding it and see how they're related in my life, connecting the dots, I'll go back to it. That's why people who start a little bit of counseling, they go, I'm doing better, and they go, I got it down now. Oh yeah, three weeks later. It's taken you decades to become who you are, but in three weeks, you got it down. You don't know how many times I've heard those lines. All they do is go right back to it. All the, all the lack of peace, all the anxiety, all the stress, all the dysfunction, all the crazy thoughts, they just go right back to it. Because they just don't continually deal with themselves. Now, for those, if I just help one person in this room with what I'm going to say next, it's good enough for me. Then I'll get to stuff that'll relate to hopefully everybody. I stumbled on this probably in the early 90s, if not late 80s, somewhere in there, and I, I cut it out. I, back then, we had to cut things out. It's not like today. And I put it in a file. And, and it talked about the survival roles, and they're very common, but let's see if anybody can relate to these things. These are survival roles. We grow up, and we take on these images, these distorted images. It's how we project ourselves. It's how we operate now based on the crazy homes or dysfunctional homes or whatever home we grew up in. One, of them, one survival role, and these are distorted images, is the clown. You lessen the tension by being the family comedian. You're just cute and funny all the time. But you can never be serious about stuff. Anybody? Come on, anybody raise your hand? There's not one clown in this room. There's a clown right there. Okay. Clown, clown. How many clowns you got? Okay. You got clown. Raise your hand. Come on, clowns. Come on, clowns. Yeah, I knew there was one right there. Okay. Yeah, okay. How about this? The enabler. You would lie for your parents to clean up the messes. You would lie, you would tell, the, they call up, no, my mom's sick, or my dad's sick. Oh, my parents said, no, they couldn't come to uh, parent-teacher night because, you know, they had to do something else. When you know real full well what's really going on, anybody? Anybody have to lie for stuff like that? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, let's be honest. You're in church right now. Come on. How about the placator? You always try to reduce conflict at home by smoothing everything. It's everything's okay, mommy. Everything's okay, daddy. It's going to be okay. Anybody? Oh, placators, a bunch of you in here. Okay. I'll go. And then the quiet or lost child. You tried best not to make any waves at home because it's already a tidal wave. How about this one? The superhero. And you better not all raise your hand on this one. You tried to redeem the family shame by looking good through sports or school good grades or work. Look at how good I am. I'm bringing glory to the shameful family. Anybody? Yeah, that's a lot of stress right there, isn't it? How about this one? The scapegoat. You became the troublemaker. You just got into trouble because you're diverting attention from the family and all the craziness going on there. Anybody? Let me give you a slant off that one, and that is this. Some of you in this room, a slant off that is, you always say sorry. You're always saying sorry. It happened 30 miles down the road. Sorry. You weren't even there, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you're sorry. I mean, if you... If <laughs> that's a scapegoat. I'm at, remember last week I told you about my tooth from the dentist room? Anybody remember that? Please say you remember because otherwise what am I preaching for so I go to the dentist about this tooth right to, I go to the um, the specialist they're the ones that are going to go do the root canal did that bug anybody 
but when I'm in the dentist's office, they, they're taking x-rays to get into stuff. And, and the girl, she kept saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry it's taking so long. I'm sorry. And finally, you know, because I'm a pastor-teacher type, somewhat of a counselor, I go, what's your name, young lady? At my age, everybody's a young lady. And she was new, so that kind of might have been, but I thought, no, there's more to it. You know, she's got her stuff in my mouth, so it's like, I said, you don't need to say sorry all the time. And she goes, I, I, I just do it so much. I go, listen, when you keep saying sorry, oh, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry, it makes it sound like you're to blame for everything. You're not. Just do, just tell people this. Oh, you know, you're doing so good. You're almost done. Now, we know that's a lie, but just tell them that, okay? <laughs> but don't be saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because I'm sorry all the time is a scapegoat. Now, did I just free anyone in this room? Raise your hand. Scapegoats who say sorry all the time. Do you raise your hand. I, stay, I'll get to you guys over here. Scapegoat. Okay, anybody else? Scapegoat. Come on, scapegoats. Scapegoats. Okay, right there. Okay, over there. Scapegoats. Okay, all of you follow me right now for pictures. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> okay, so those are different survival roles in, in the ACA structure. Now, all these are created created identities just to survive your childhood. Now, which one of these do you think I was? All of them? <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? Did you say that? You're covering your mouth. Did you say no? Jane, did you say that? Who said it? Oh, you said it, huh? And you're wearing a mask, huh? <laughs> you know, somebody said that in first service? I was so appalled. All of them, man. No. <laughs> I was the quiet or lost child. Guys, am I quiet? <laughs> no. I'm not quiet at all. But when I was a kid growing up in the home, I was growing up because of what was going on. I became the quiet or lost child. It was already a storm. Why am I going to make it a tsunami? I can vividly remember. I'm about eight or nine years old. Friends come over to visit my mom and dad. And they make this statement about me. They go, Jimmy is so quiet. I can remember to this day. And I have this, I have a memory like crazy. In my mind, I was screaming this at them. I didn't say it because I'm the quiet child. In my mind, I'm going, no, I'm not. I'm loud. I was mad inside. As I got older, reflected back on those things, I realized I was quiet at home. What do you think I was at school or everywhere else? Loud. I'm the kid that got moved all the time. I can't stop talking. Right? Let's start our own group over here afterwards. Okay. And then, but I was the quiet child at home, but I was loud outside. That's what I learned growing up. And then I get married, which is a home. And guess what I became in my marriage? Quiet. Remember I talked about the shutdown two weeks ago? So that followed me in my adulthood, and I was a quiet. And you think I'm quiet anymore at home? Oh, no. No, I'm healed up, baby. Not anymore. Now, let me drill down. These are survival roles. These are identities. I'm going to take you down in my life now. Can you guys tell I'm Mexican? Just a little bit? Okay, just a, I'm just a little bit. Mexican was some Spanish, Spaniard from my dad's side in, in my blood. When I was growing up in Corona, late 
early, late 50s, 60s, early 70s. Um, Corona was separated on 6th Street. Anybody grow up this way in this city? You remember what I'm talking about? The north side was Mexican. Anybody remember that? You're not here. Remember that? The south side was white. Anybody remember that? That's the way it was. I, now, let me tell you, before I go any further, I'm not blaming anybody. That didn't even bug me one bit. And I thoroughly, thoroughly can't stand what all this stuff out there where they talk about white people are evil and, you know, white privilege. I want to just, some, you ask my wife, sometimes I, I yell at the TV, shut up. It's so stupid. Anybody think that's just the stupidest thing? And then you get these Hollywood people going, I want to apologize for my white privilege. Shut up. I go, what are you talking? And by the way, is anybody this color? That's even wrong, isn't it? I remember a black preacher preaching and he said, Pe people aren't white, they're peach color. They're not white. Because, you know, and it's like, no, you know, and I know if I'm Mexican, so I can say these things. If I was white, somebody would get offended in this room, huh? No, you know what? Stop this insanity. Stop this. It doesn't, you know, this whole thing like what they're saying now that white people, oh, they don't even know how racist they are. It's just inherent in them. Stop right there. I'll show you how, that, how, how that's a wrong thinking because how can you possibly know we went on scripturally you cannot know what's in someone else's heart you can't even know your own heart unless God reveals it and then they they pull this stupid stuff and this is how they're training our kids now it's insanity it's crazy am I right and all they listen listen for those of you who are still locked in some old thinking because you, you ate some bad chowder this morning or whatever um, all, journalists and politicians all, you know all, they, all they do is try to pit us against them we live in a different world than them any amens and they try to pit us against each other while they get richer and richer am I not is that not true I go I'm getting along with everybody out here aren't you getting along with people I'm not seeing what these people are seeing I'm going where are they seeing this stuff at and all they do it is they all want to get votes and that's all it's about that's my strong opinion, and I'm sticking to it, okay? Now, so anyway. Let me tell you why you never apologize for being medium brown, uh, or light skin, or dark skin. Never, why? Who created you? You're creating the image of God. If God created you a darker skin or medium brown or light skin, guess what? Never be ashamed of that. Never apologize for whatever. They don't get it out there. They'll never get it out there. They're not governed by the principles of God's word. They live in darkness, and all they do is grope in the dark because they think they're God, and they're going to decide what's right or wrong, and they're going to try to brainwash you on all this stuff. I'm not buying what they're selling, okay? And don't you either. Any amens on that? Amen. Praise the Lord. Besides, why would I listen to people who think they can fix the world and they can't even fix their own life? Am I right? They can't even fix their own life. And now you're going to lecture me. And don't you just... I'm on a roll now, guys. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to go this far. But don't you... Aren't you so... I'm so thankful that I can fast-forward commercials. I mean, I don't need you lecturing me in a commercial. You're going to... I'm, I'm like... 43 years old. You're going to lecture me? Are you kidding? Okay, I'm in my, 
I'm 65, okay? I know you're probably thinking, I thought you were like 25 and stuff like that. <laughs> no, okay, back to the issue, because I'm way off. off um, back. Now back to the issue. So I grew up on this Mexican side of Corona. You know, growing up, I felt shame over that. I finally had to admit it to myself. I was ashamed of living on that side. I was therefore ashamed. And then you have this Iraq all at home, and that tax on the shame. Do you know that I was so ashamed? I had and my identity, who I was. I even lied about where I was born. Remember in junior high? See, I was born in Corona. Remember the old hospital used to be on Main Street before they built the new hospital. How many remember the old hospital? I was born in that one. Remember? It, it was like branches and stuff that we put. To, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I was born there, a little two-story hospital. They tore that thing down, built the new hospital and tore that thing down. But I thought, you know where I told people in junior high I was born? I told them, I don't know, I know why I came up with it. I told them I was born in Corvallis, Oregon. I, I just thought it sounded cool. It sounded better than Corona. And so they go, you weren't born there. I go, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. It wasn't true. <laughs> But you know, you lie to present these images and to try to look like you're okay and this and that. Now, what was going on in my life? What's going on with everybody's life? Satan's distorting our identity and he's trying to get in that so we don't even know who we are or what we are. We try to we get our fig leaves and present it to everybody else. This is what I am. And they're going, no, you're not. No, yes, yes, I am. So in case this doesn't relate to you, let me ask some questions. Projecting fig leaves. How many of you, you just keep getting in debt? You just keep charging stuff. Because you got to have this. And you got to have that, what they have. And you got to have that over there. Because you want to wear your fig leaves and let everybody know. Let them all know that you're okay. You got it together. And you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper debt. Some of you feel really uncomfortable right now, don't you? Let me talk to people in my age now. Because young people, you got to change your pattern. Let me talk to older people. Because older people can make the same mistakes. You get in your 50s, better start watching your debt. Because your retirement's coming up in about 10 years. And you better have been putting in your retirement accounts. One of the worst things I think, how many of us are getting so much automotive debt? You could be taking that money and putting it in retirement accounts. Rather than trying to be cool and everything right now, I'm talking to my, my age group, why not live a little bit more frugal, take that money, put it in retirement accounts, so that when you do retire, you can live the way you want other than trying to look like what everybody else has, and these people are going to be living in squalor, barely above, you know, Social Security line, when they get there, you don't want to be that way. Am I right? Don't try, don't worry about image. Don't, don't, you shouldn't give a rip what anybody else drives or what they have. Because you need to get there and be able to be right. I, 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 anybody, I, I despise car payments. No, I, I, no, I really... I know I shouldn't use, I shouldn't hate, but I hate car payments, okay? I hate them. I hate them. And um, for what it's worth, I, I've been, God has blessed me. I make investments on in certain ways, watching certain things, and I've been able to pay my cars off because of certain investments. 
So I watch myself. I be careful because I want to put more money into retirement. I don't have any kids at home anymore, so guess what? I just fill the bathtub up with $5 bills and throw them up in the air. <laughs> I really do. The, no, I really do. Okay, but anyway, okay, so let me get the next one. Question. Have you ever dated someone that turned out not what they appeared to be? Anybody ever done that? Isn't that fun? Isn't that real fun? They come up, they look one way, they talk one way, everything, and it turns out they're not that person. Have you ever heard my Fender story? Let me tell you my Fender story. And, and let me, I'm going to go in my time frame. But let's say you want to buy a used car from somebody, you call them up. They go, yeah, come and see it. And you go there. And the, where's the car? Well, I'll, I'll go bring it. And they go in the backyard, come out, and they come out with a Fender. It's, it's beautiful paint job, no dents. No Bondo, pearl paint job. Candy apple red. They go, how do you like it? I go, well, I like the fender, but can I see the rest of the car? Oh, you want to see the rest of the car? Well, no, just decide on the fender. Would you buy based on a fender? A lot of people do that, don't they? You go dating, you, they present an image, they present the best part of them, and, you, and that's why, please, when you start dating after three weeks, going, we're just so in love, we're going to get married. You don't even know that person. See, you don't know if when they bring the car out of their life, the headliner's ripped up, there's no seats, they don't have a spare tire, all the tires are different, different rims, it's smoking, it's blowing. You don't even know. Because they're just showing you the fender. And that's what happens. We come out with our fig leaves. I'm going to show you how cool I am, man. I'm going to show you this, this, and that. Be careful, because those are fig leaves, my friend. Does that make sense? How many wish your daughter or son was here right now today to listen to that one? Well, it's okay. The third question. How many of you just, this is a brutal, honest question. If you're going to grow, you must examine your motives and be honest with yourself. How many of you compare yourself with others in that you compare what you have to what others have, where you live with where other people live, your home, your body, your looks, your height, lack of height, whatever it is, and you fall short. You don't compare. How many do that? Come on, raise your hand. Help me do that. Okay. You'll always fall short. Now, I've told you before, I have legs that every woman would die for. <laughs> Just being honest, okay? They're beautiful. They're hairy, but they're beautiful. But they're really thin legs. I would say skinny, but I'll just stay with thin, okay? No guy would want my legs. There ain't a guy, I don't want those legs. Now these legs for much of my life were a source of shame and pain. I played basketball. You guys know that, right? Remember in the 70s wore the short shorts? Are you kidding me? I was so thankful to God. I knew it had to be the Holy Spirit when the shorts grew long like that. I thought, that has to be God. But I'm running out on the basketball court, Corona High, Rainy Junior High, and then Corona High School, I play basketball, and my friends are like, chicken legs. <laughs> you know, ooh. And I just had to pretend like, ha, 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 ha. But inside, I'm dying. I'm dying because I don't like that part of my body, and you feel so much shame about it. How many of us feel that way about parts of our body? About our looks, about this. I don't like this, I don't like that. You know, stop those things right there. Now, can I drill down deeper? Okay. 
there's going to be a sidebar. There's going to be something that stands on its own now, and then I've got I to hurry. In America right now, they have thoroughly confused our young people. I mean, it's confused. They don't even know if they're a boy or a girl anymore. I'm not here to offend you, but I am here to speak the truth to you. They don't even know. Well, this hour, I'm a boy. The next hour, I'm a girl. Oh, I'm binary. I'm non-binary. Oh, I'm pan. I'm this. I'm that. And then society applauds when they start going down these roads to transition. And then Hollywood, which you should never listen to. They sit there, oh, I'm proud of my child. They're five and they're, they're this and that. Really? That's called child abuse if you let them go down that road. It really is. What's going on is it's a satanic lie where they're rejecting the image of God that they've been created in. And they're taking their fig leaves and they're transitioning. That's what they're doing. And that's what they're doing. And it starts with a lie. I'm God. I can decide what I want. I can decide to be what I want. Satan always goes after the image of God. It's guaranteed. Not just in Genesis 3. You jump to Genesis 6 and you see the sons of God, which are fallen angels, they intermarry with the daughters of men. And these giant Nephilims are the result. Now what's going on there? I'm one who believes strongly that this is a satanic implementation to distort the DNA of humankind where they're not fully human anymore. And therefore Jesus could not come and save mankind on the cross. So God has Noah build the ark so some of the people that were fully human, like within his family, they can get on the ark, be saved from it, and God wipes out everything else because they're not genetically human anymore, not fully human. Does that make sense? That's what's going on. We're going to see later on in Daniel chapter 1 what communists and, socio and um, um, uh, socialist governments, how they do, how they do this to us, to society. I have waited months and months for this moment. I heard about this book. I rarely peddle a book. Until I rarely do that because I just don't. But I thought I have to. As a pastor and a shepherd, I've got to warn and I've got to help you. This book, zoom in. This book's called Irreversible Damage. The Transgender, transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters by Abigail Schreier. She's not a Christian. I've, I've read it. She's not a Christian. She's a psychologist. But she's got all the documentation, all the interviews with parents, emails with school boards about this stuff. she got it all. She, now, I don't agree with everything she says because she's not even against people transitioning when they're older. But what she saw was this massive spike, and she calls it a fad, which it is. But this massive spike, why is this happening? Why, are they, why is this happening in our young girls? I have three granddaughters now, so it's real now. It's real now. If you have daughters, young, even teenage ones, you, I brought this so you could buy this book. If you don't have the money to buy the book, just come up, give me your name, I'll buy it for you, I'll give it to you. 
You need to read this. They're coming at our, our daughters on a three-prong approach. They're coming through their peer groups. They're finding these girls are running with other girls that want to transition, young girls. It's coming through social media. These social media gurus, they will teach your daughters what to say to you as a parent and how to combat everything you come against them. They're teaching our daughters this. That's why you never let your children get on social media because of what's coming through that thing. Their social media is good and it's bad at the same time. It's like anything else. But also through school boards. I don't know if it's around here yet. I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's controlled. It's, it's coming around. And the people who run these boards, who are in these power positions now, more and more of it is not a biblical type thinking. And they're pushing these agendas. I brought this up to you. Buy it. I'll have it up here after service. You come take a picture of whatever. Buy it. Read it. Because our daughters, our young kids, they're at stake right now. And I'm here to stand up for those kids and to help you stand up for those kids. And you, if you're a Christian, you say, well, I don't think you should be doing this. Then you come meet with me and you bring your Bible. And you tell me how you're right and I'm wrong when it comes to this stuff. But you better bring your Bible. Because if you tell me what you feel and what you think, all you are is Adam and Eve thinking you're God and you decide what's right and wrong. And you're not. Now, how are we going to finish this off? Here we go. I want to show you how it works in a country. In Daniel chapter 1, Daniel has been now deported to Babylon from uh, Jerusalem as Jerusalem was conquered. He's a good Jewish boy. Him and the other three, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, many of you know those names. Now watch this. Watch this. Here's what happens. Identity, change of identity, re-education. Youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Is there a re-education going on in Babylon? You better believe it. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank and appointed that they should be educated three years. Is there a re-education going on? Yeah. At the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now we can put you in government because you've been re-educated. And they didn't fall for the re-education because their biblical foundations were strong. Now among them from the sons of Judah, here they are, Daniel, Hananiah, Mish Mishael, Azariah. These are the names before they got changed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Watch. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. So are they changing identity? Yes or no? Yes. So re-education and identity change. Assign new names to them. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshesh. And to Azariah, Abednego. Now, let me show you. All this re-education going on. This is what communist countries do. They're doing it in China right now, in case you don't know that. This is 2,600 years ago, and you think it's talking about today. Because this is one of Satan's plans, generation after generation after generation. And we have moved so far from God in America, now we're bringing all this stuff. Now watch. I'll just give you one of the names. Mishael. Jewish name. It means, who is what God is? They change it to Meshesh, which means, who is what Aku is? See what they just did? They change it from God, Yahweh God, and they change it to one of their false idols, Aku. 
They're re-educating. They're changing names. They're changing it all. 2,600 years ago, and you're seeing it still in our society, and it's coming, and it's in our ranks right now. Abraham Lincoln said, what they teach in the schoolhouse in one generation will be in government in the next generation. And you see it now. You see it now. Satan always uses systems to re-engineer. He always does. Now watch. This is Babylon, 2,600 years ago. Now watch what's going on in the area of Babylon in Genesis 11. This is the Tower of Babel. You've heard of the Tower of Babel, right? Watch this. This is in the same area. They said to one another, Come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. Tar is because there's a lot of oil in the Middle East. Amen? They said, Come let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Side note, probably a pyramid. That's why you see pyramid structures all over the world because when they dispersed, because the languages were changed, they went everywhere and they took their architecture with them. Any amens? And let us make for ourselves a name. Oh, oh what? We're going to build this tower to make ourselves a name. We're going to give ourselves a name, an identity. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So in other words, we're in Babylon. We serve false gods. We're God. We're going to decide who we are, what we are. We're going to give ourselves a name. You follow me so far? That's not what Adam and Eve did. They reject the image of God. Therefore, reject God. And they made themselves. They're making themselves. They're giving themselves identity. They're projecting an image. This is what they're doing here. And this is what happens all over the place now. Now watch this. This is our choice. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Watch what God says to Abram, who is an idol worshiper. He doesn't know God, but God reveals himself to him, and he calls him, and Abraham becomes the first Hebrew. Hebrew means to cross over. He crosses over from Ur the Chaldees, over along the fertile crescent, the Euphrates River, into the modern-day land of Israel. This happened 3,900 years ago. He's Hebrew. He crossed over. Watch what he says to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I'll make your name great. What? And I'll make your what great? Your name great. Uh oh. So you shall be a blessing. By the way, you're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? chapter 11 they're going to make themselves a name I'll make my own projection I'll wear my own fleas I decide I'm God but in chapter 12 God says I got a guy I'm calling you I'll make your name great that's a decision guys we can sit there and decide I'm God I'm Adam and Eve I'll stay insecure I'll stay in my dysfunction I'll live in abnormality I'll create my own image I'll do all that or I can listen to God and I can know who I really am because God's telling me who I really am created in his image amen I'm a movie guy I didn't do one last week, so I gave you a break. I love the Jason Bourne movies. That first movie, remember, he doesn't know who he is? Bourne identity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's like, he goes, I don't know who I am. I just don't know who I am. And then he finally gets to his safety deposit box, and he's got all these passports. Remember that? And he goes, who am I? That's a bunch of passports. He's an undercover operative. And all this money and everything. He doesn't know who he is. Then he runs into somebody who's in charge of what CIA or whatever it is. And the guy wants to kill him. And he tells him, you know what you are. You're a $30 million malfunction, soldier. Hasn't Satan told us that? Hasn't he told you that? 
Hasn't he told you what's wrong with you and you're this, you're a malfunction, you're everything else, you're not that. And that's what Jason doesn't know what to believe until movie number two. And Pamela Landy comes along at the very end. She says, wait, wait, Jason, wait. They're on the phone. He goes, let me tell you who you really are. Your name is David Webb. You were born 41571. Now we find out that 41571 is the address of the bill in New York. I was disappointed because I thought he was born on April 15th, my birthday. <laughs> so I was shattered in that moment. But she tells him who he is, who he really is. He's not a $30 million malfunction. He's David Webb. You could sit there and try to figure it out for yourself, figure it out for yourself, and just all the malfunctions, all the dysfunctions, and live in the abnormal. You can do all that, try to make a name for yourself, build your fig leaves up, do this, do that, do all that. Or you can say, God, who am I? You tell me who I am. You tell me what I am. You give me my name. You give me my identity. tell you something I didn't tell you last week I saved for this week one of the cool things about you and me you and I are made of a composition that can actually inhabit God did you hear what I just said Jesus Christ came to earth and he takes a human body a human body God can inhabit you're made up of that composition when you became born again, the Spirit of God came to live in you. Your body can inhabit God. Have you thought about that? That makes you unique, doesn't it? That gives you great identity, doesn't it? When you put it all together and God gives you your name and tells you who you are, it doesn't matter what anybody else has, what they look like, what this, what that, doesn't matter what ideas they're peddling, you'll know who you are, your insecurities will dissipate and one day almost be gone and you can stand firm knowing in who you believe, knowing who you are and you're not going to fall to all this and all that anymore. Any amens? You might even start picking right people for yourself. you'll be the most secure person around because you'll know because you'll know who you are God let God make your name great let God tell you who you are quit listening to the enemy anymore nah let God create your life he's the creator amen let's pray God it's so important this is so important because from the get go Satan tries to distort identity it's so important we know who we are in you that we part, we're part of a whole different kingdom of God we're not of this world we're strangers and aliens here but we carry the greatest message on the planet. Now, if you've been listening today and you're not a Christian, and you say, you know what? I want to walk with this Jesus. I want him to show me the way, show me who I am, show me what I am. I'm not going to listen to the, all the lies out there anymore. I want him to rebuild my life from all the dysfunction and all the pain, all the bad decisions. I want him to do that. I want his truth. I want that. I don't want to create my own image anymore. I want the image that he's given me. 
I want him to forgive me of my sins. I want to follow him. That's great. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. And if you backslid, you've walked away from God, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to do that. So whatever position you're in there, I'm going to say a prayer. Everybody say it with them here, at home and here. If you want to put your faith in Christ for the first time or rededicate, you say it with us and you believe. And you believe. You're jumping in feet first now. Here we go. Repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me. Show me who I am. Show me the way. Forgive me of my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming to live in me. Now let me pray. God, I just pray. Oh, I pray for you, friend. You've just jumped on the wild ride. It's a great ride. It's a ride of truth. I pray you get into God's word. Start reading the New Testament. Stay in there for a couple years. Get around Christians. Start to grow. Start to grow. Satan wants your thinking. He's always wanted your thinking. He uses government systems to get your thinking. He uses people around you to get your thinking. He uses pain, hurt, dysfunction to get your thinking. Now walk in the truth of God's word. Walk in the truth of God's word. Thank you, Lord. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.